Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. You can hear it in my voice. I am just back from San Diego. I uh, flew back on Monday morning and basically spent the entire Monday uh, just uh, catching up on sleep and uh, soothing my voice. But uh, wanted to get out the Bill Sinkevich New Mutants panel. It happened last Thursday at San Diego Comic-Con. We had a great full audience. Uh, they had amazing questions about the New Mutants. And it was my pleasure to moderate Bill's panel. And it follows up on uh, our last episode. So wanted to get this out and share it with you. Had a great time. Met so many listeners for the very first time. Saw other friends uh, again of the show. And uh, the League of Word Balloon listeners, well represented at Comic-Con. Thank you very much, League, for your support, as always. Uh, you know, it's uh, it means a lot. And it get, like I say, it really gives me an opportunity to thank you directly when I see everybody at cons and uh, get the chance to talk to you directly. Even fans of the Oh Yeah podcast were there. But uh, this is a really fun panel. I'm happy to share it with you today, the Bill Sienkiewicz panel. I was at uh, Comic-Con uh, from the, with the good graces of Alex Ross Art. I did some video over there. In fact, if you go to wordballoon.com or on YouTube uh, on Alex's channel, you can see uh, the first of many videos. Uh, I did a great interview with the Hot Wheels people, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I uh, am happy to share that with you as well today. Um, so go to wordballoon.com and watch that video and uh, or go on YouTube. And uh, thank you, Alex Ross Art. We're going to continue to put uh, up uh, videos throughout the weeks ahead of interviews that I got to do. Man, just celebrity uh, great interviews with Dan Jurgens and Mark Wade. Um, even celebrities like Niambe Niambe, who you might remember from Mike and Molly, and currently on the CBS All Access show, The Good Fight. Uh, he is uh, the investigator on that law show. You remember that? That's the spinoff from The Good Wife. Um, just, just terrific. Honestly, I can't talk enough about it, uh, partially because you can hear it cash in my voice, but, uh, today's word balloon brought to you by Alex Ross art. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff at alexrossart.com waiting for you to pick up, but also, uh, check out the videos and, uh, some of the great conversations that, uh, you heard, uh, in these YouTube videos coming up and also on, uh, this panel today. So I hope you enjoyed and get a chance to experience some of the great product that Alex is putting out there. Everyone was so excited to see the Universal Monster paintings, the originals. I found out a fun fact. Sal Abinati, Alex's art rep, told me he knocked out seven paintings last Memorial Day weekend. Three days. Four days, I guess, if you want to include Monday. But unbelievable. Sal gets a call. They're ready. How many? All of them. Just gorgeous work. When Alex is in the zone... He produces amazing stuff, uh, not to mention all the Marvel covers that he had been doing and has been doing for Avengers and also uh, Spider-Man. In fact, Mark Wade and I, in that upcoming interview, talk about those uh, Sp uh, Avenger covers. So much great stuff. And then some classic things, too, over the years. DC and Marvel stuff. Just beautiful stuff. The Beatles covers, or the Beatles lithos, I should say. The Monty Python litho that's so gorgeous. All the originals were there at the Alex Ross booth this year at San Diego Comic-Con. So uh, check out all that wonderful product. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. You know the drill. I miss Cam and Christina. I got a uh, I got an email from or a, a, a Twitter message from Christina saying, I'm sorry we missed you. Me too, guys. Uh, thank you for your patronage as well. And uh, again, 
Uh, they have wonderful books. You can go to InStockTrades.com. Check out all the excellent product that is sitting there now at great value and prices. InStockTrades.com. And again, thank you to the League of Word Balloon listeners uh, via Patreon.com slash Word Balloon. Again, wonderful meeting everybody. Uh, Wayne, of course, from Canada, who's uh, who's become a friend at this point. Uh, Bionic Dave. Holy cow. Great to meet you, Bionic Dave. Got to get you on the pod, man. Talk some soap operas, former soap opera writer, and uh, just so many wonderful people and great communication from past guests at Word Balloon that were at the con. Saw Dave Gibbons, saw Walt Simonson, um, Louise Simonson. It was great talking to her. Made a lot of great connections of uh, future comic guests. Uh, man, I'll tell you, I had a great talk with Bill Morrison. Had a great talk with William Messers, Lobes. Holy cow, what a cool guy. Wonderful uh, voice from the 80s that received Hall of Fame honors. Um, Constance Ezza, one of the wonderful organizers of Fan Expo and Megacon and so many great shows and uh, just tons of uh, really nice people, old friends and new friends at uh, this year's Comic-Con. So thank you all and thank you League of Word Balloon listeners. Um, if you want to contribute to uh, the cause, it's uh, patreon.com slash Word Balloon. You can go to the front page of wordballoon.com and click there. Like I always say, and I mean it, Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you have spare money and want to help the cause, that's where to go. All right, without further ado, I want to present this wonderful panel with Bill Sienkiewicz. You know, I really do mean it when I say this. Uh, it's it's really important to leave time for, for good questions because we want, you know, people to have the chance to ask their questions for these great comic creators. And uh, we got a great New Mutants conversation, certainly better than anyone I could do on my own, because uh, you, you, deep cuts on uh, a lot of New Mutant conversation, and of course, Legion as well. So for now, uh, let's uh, present this New Mutants panel on Word Balloon. Do people have questions? That's my first question. Raise your hand if you have questions, because I want this. I mean, Bill and I can talk forever. We will, likely. But, it, you know, good, 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 good. And, you know, we're calling this a new means retrospective, but Bill's here, and, you know, his career is vast, and, you know, we really want to cover everything. That's kind of what I'm doing with the images I chose for, uh, for today's panel. Well, that's great, man. So as we talk, hopefully people will have questions, and we will, uh, we will begin. Welcome to the New Mutants Retrospective. My name is John Sarkis. Absolutely. I'm John Suntress. I host a, a podcast called Word Balloon. It's at wordballoon.com. Where oh, I get to, the privilege of talking to uh, these great creators, including uh, today's guest. You know him. You love him. The wonderful Bill Sinkevich, everybody. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all for coming. This is uh, it's a great time right now because we're all anticipating next year's uh, movie and, and all that's involved with uh, coming up with uh, The Mutants. Yeah, The Mutants, I, from, uh, from what I understand, it, they're looking at an April release, 2018, so they're busily filming. I think Arya Stark is, is like, she just left, you know, and, and uh, now is, is on, the, on the set in Boston, I think. I think it's in Boston. Oh, film. very cool. Yeah, so. That's awesome. Well, you you weren't the original artist for the new mutes. Bob McCloud, right? Uh, did the graphic? Uh, I believe on? so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you know, I want to. I do want to get into this because I think it was at a very interesting time. Uh, Sal Bushima uh, took over. Right. And then you came in after Sal. Yeah. Which yeah. 
Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, in today's social media, man, if, if people don't like a book and the way a book looks, they let you know. Back in the 80s, there was comics media and I suppose social media in terms of letters to these magazines. Yeah, there were. Um, and uh, It's no secret that uh, Jim Shooter, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, used to call me into his office and, and read me the, the letters of people who were really upset. It, it, it sounds crazy today. You got stop him, Jim, before he kills again. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You've had such a distinct style, and and I can appreciate somebody like Sal, who has that wonderfully classic Marvel style. They maybe weren't prepared for what you were bringing to to the book, and certainly as your art evolved. Oh yeah, no. If I had if I had um, anybody who's familiar at all with with. Uh, my early career, uh, I was very much influenced by an artist named Neil Adams, whom you may have heard of. Uh, so um, he was he was my my uh, my savior and my my uh, my guiding light in terms of trying to get the, the the style to look like his as much as possible in the in the context of doing comics. But then I had gone to art school and fallen in love with all kinds of, with art in general and illustration. So, but if I had actually gone to Marvel or DC with the por- with the portfolio of the work that I started doing in the New Mutants, there's no way they would have hired me. It's like I kind of Trojan horsed my way in there. It's like you know, like, like I came in like doing Neil Adams and then uh, you know and then attacked them in their sleep. You know? Was so, that was that the plan? Was there the oh, I had plan? Well, yeah, but, I but I'm or, or or was it as your art itself evolved where you're like, yeah. oh, I want to start trying to do this? Yeah, well, I mean. Growing up, I grew up in, in northern New Jersey, the farm country. I mean, I was, you know, bailing hay and, you know, dealing with, with horses and stuff, which, which I love. But there were no, but, you know, the idea of actually having people around who were into comics, it, there, were, there were no one, you know. Uh, there was no one. So I ended up, um, uh, you know, just drawing and just studying comics because I just fell in love with the art form. So, uh, you know, but that whole idea of, uh, of getting into... Uh, you know, doing like any kind of strange illustration or art in comics didn't come about until after I started getting a lot of the negative response, more to the Neil Adams clone thing. It was, uh, you know, it felt like, you know, a complete dismissal of, of everything I, I tried to do. Because there were, there were, since there was nobody else around, there was no one when I was growing up for, to look at my work, like when I was trying to emulate Neil, going, you know, you really should be doing your own stuff. I mean, it was like, oh, you know, for all, for all, his, you know, all intents and purposes, they, they would look at my artwork and just see my work, because they were like, like they, if they knew Neil Adams, they probably thought he might have been a competitor to John Deere. You know, tractors or something. <laughs> so, um, so there was, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a, of a pushback from me in terms of, of a, a sense of a real kind of abnegation and dismissal of like uh, everything I'd put my life toward in terms of trying to draw as well as this person um, sort of blew up in my face. So it, uh, the anger can be a great motivator, you know, if you, if you can kind of channel it. And I just went, you know into all the fashion illustration, illustration, fine art, uh, everything from collage to uh, you, you name it, I was gonna, you know, I'm gonna do it. I'm either gonna do it this way or I'm getting out. 
That it literally came down to that. Wow. So was Chris Claremont obviously the writer of the book? Was he was he cool with what you were doing? Well, he's the one who came to me. I mean, okay. actually, after I left Moon Knight, when yes. I did issue twenty six in Moon Knight, I did I like plotted an issue called Hit It, which to me it felt like it was my big. On that title, I felt like I really sort of made the statement I wanted to make because I wanted to make a statement about comics is sort of. Uh, about how, not so much about how things looked, but how something felt. And also about, I was trying to get into sort of uh, what if a comic could have a musical beat to it, you know, could, could sort of have a rhythm to it that was not just simply another, you know, spandex cape villain of the month. <clears throat> so the, uh, uh, that issue came about, and when I, I said, okay, I'm done, and I, stick, I stuck around for four more issues okay. to kind of even out the, the numbers and for them to find. Uh, a replacement for, for to take over the artwork, and that was Kevin Nolan, who you know who started doing his work in the back of uh, the comics journal. So he was a fan artist, and so he like he just jumped right in. Wow! Of course, everybody knows who knows Kevin's work is is a fan like I am. Absolutely. Um, so uh, they offered me the X Men, and I turned it down. The main I, book. I, the main book, and I, I didn't want to do any series. It was like I had no interest. Really? I, I really wanted to just dive into just all kinds of maybe covers, which I started doing, but more um, just take a breather. For three years, I've been doing you know nothing but, but Moon Knight and maybe a couple of other things here and there. But um, and also because I knew that I wanted to start experimenting, I was really getting into uh, much more animation, like Tex Avery stuff, and I really and okay. I was also reading Hunter Thompson and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Which may be a factor, but also because <laughs> of many of his collaborations with, with a, an artist named Ralph Steadman, who I fell in love with as well. And I said, well, that, that's going into comics if, if, it, if it killed me. That's awesome. You know? and, uh, and also not just some of, of Steadman and uh, Hunter Thompson's sensibility. You know, also Terry Gilliam, like with Brazil and things. I want oh, that kind of wonky David Lynch sort of, uh, you know, surrealism and things uh, to kind of creep in there. It was I was trying to get as far away from Neil Adams as I could, and it, it, you know, in, a, in sort of a strange way, the Neil Adams influence became as important to me as it was in the you know in the try to be like you know or to emulate. It became just as important in some respects, even more powerful in the negation. It was like I'm going to be not Neil. So it was like anything that was like Neil, I was kind of going to go the other way. Absolutely. Um, and it took me a while to reconcile the fact that there are certain things that I that I had learned that are they're okay. It's like it's okay to do that. You know, I was like, I'm not going to be anything like Neil because I want to be who I am. And I realized that I kept cutting away aspects of, of influences and trying to figure out who I was. And I realized that, like life, not to get all metaphorical on it, but, but it's sort of like it's not what you take away; it's what your choices are in terms of who you add and bring. You know, all your into your life. So your, your circle of friends, your influences, what you read, what you absorb, that all, those are all choices and those are kind of the things that, that uh, make you who you are. Not like, well, let me get rid of this person, let me get rid of this, let me stop eating. It's like and pretty much you're left with nothing and, uh, you know, uh, that's not really a, an existence. So to me, it really came down to that, you know. Um, but when they offered me the X-Men, I said, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not taking the flagship book and driving it into the ditch. It's like, it's like I know I, I want to try strange things, and it's like I just pictured all of the upper echelon 
just like looking at this and watching the sales numbers just plummet and just go like, what is he doing? To like, this is our, this is our bread and butter. This is our ex, sure. you know. And um, uh, I said, I, I want to do something where I'm getting like zero attention. I just want to fly as completely under the radar as, as possible. And um, that same day, when I walked out of the offices. Uh, Chris Claremont stopped me in the hallway and he said, I, I want to do a three issues arc on the new mutants. And he told me it was a whole, the whole dream sequence and the demon bear. And that, it was like a 30 second pitch and I was like, I'm in. It was because I just felt like I, I could get a chance to do sort of odd things, but in the context of a dream or a fantasy or Absolutely. This, this demonic possession kind of, a, of, a, of an altercation, it was like, uh, and plus it was the new mutants, which uh, was sort of still in the X world, but, um, but that was only tangentially kind of in interest to me, um, because well, okay. you know, so well, not as much about the characters, but to be able to the story, yeah. Okay, I mean, I've yeah. seen it and everything, and, and you know, I um, one of the things about doing comics and you know is that I don't get a chance to read as many of them as I like. It's like I'm too busy. Sure, you know, making like the donuts here, yeah. yeah, man, exactly. So I'd seen the New Mutants and. Um, uh, and I do know that I felt like if I'm going to do it, I kind of want to do it my way, you know. And I felt that I love what Sal, I mean, Sal's amazing. Sal, I mean, one of my main influences. I thought his storytelling was always the most fascinating. I'm just really solid storytelling, no you know. And um, so at one time or another, I was influenced by everybody. I mean, some of, if somebody looked at my, like, even my Warlock stuff, they might see some Sergio Aragonis in there. You know, so yeah, it's like Sergio. You know, Viva, Viva the man. You know, the but um, they're there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, but the um, uh, what was I saying? So the uh, in terms of well, there was your influence. Well, getting the job of the three, the three issue. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I looked at all uh, how the characters looked, and I sort of felt like maybe partly because I was getting into animation, where silhouettes are very important. You know, like. Later on, I would do it with, like with the kingpin, just making him this massive, this mountain. That was all kind of based on some of my, my fascination with animation, um, like the text, like I said, Tex Avery or Chuck Jones or, or anything. So, and Warlock mentally came about that he was he was that can of paint that Wiley Coyote used to paint the, like, the tunnels inside the mesas with. He was he was not anything corporeal. He wasn't a, like anatomy that you could do correctly or incorrectly. He was just jazz, just zen, and like whatever you want to Oh, that's great. So, in a weird kind of a way, that when I've seen other artists do their interpretation of, of Warlock, Warlock to me is more a Rorschach than Rorschach in, from The Watchmen. It's like, you know, when I look at my version of Warlock and then I, and then I look at Arthur Adams' version, you know, Arthur's, like, he, if, you, if you're familiar with Arthur Adams' work, another phenomenal, like, talent, it's like his warlock is, is absolutely, there's no mistaking that it's, it's his warlock. So, um, uh, so yes, but I decided that I was going to take all the characters and sort of make them different sizes, and, and I started to kind of feel like I was trying to get to know the characters a little bit. Like, um, yeah, you know, Sam was, you know, just sort of this tall, gangly kid. I, and when I did Ilyana, or, or magic. Uh, when we finally decided on this, maybe the soul sword. I don't. I don't know how that came about. I know that I kind of added that to to one of the uh, the panels, and I think Chris, you know, decided to run with it because we were back and forth with stuff all the time. But I knew that um, I wanted to do this adorable little, you know, blonde, you know, almost like a tot. You know, she was smaller than everybody else, 
but just a total badass. You know, did not want to mess with her whatsoever. And then all the other ones sort of fell into place. It's like, uh, you know, size-wise. So you literally could put, block them, you know, black them out, put them up on a, you know, on a, a, like a, like a lineup, and you could tell who they were. And that's what I felt was the big change for me in terms of bringing them, bringing my sort of vision into it. I may also think I, I made them a little older okay. or something, because um, I think we ended up, one of the first things we did when I did the drawing of how I envisioned them, that's when the first ad came out about they're not, don't call them ex-babies anymore. So it was sort of like they were kind of going into puberty, which I felt was a really fascinating idea to do, to work with, with in, in an ex title, because when you're, Passing into puberty, it's like you know the idea that you know it's like you start to your hormones start to kick in. You start to you know you develop like skin conditions and hair growing in other areas that you never thought they were. You know, and then the idea of um, sort of that's when your mutant abilities start to kick in. So it's like not only are you dealing with all this like regular puberty crap, you know, you're also dealing with the fact that it's like oh, and I also I'm going to suck the life out of somebody or you know, I'm going to burst into flame. It's like you know. Which some of you may be going through when you go through puberty, but uh, <laughs> for me, I just had to settle on, you know, on acting. And, and certainly, uh, before the New Mutants film and everything, Legion has obviously become such a huge thing, and rightfully so. Yeah, and, that, you was, know. that was a blast. I mean, again, that was, you know, uh, you know, when Chris and I were, were were doing it, we just felt like let's just keep. You know, they're, they, they keep letting us do this. Let's just keep going. Yeah, because that's the thing. You're, you guys are pushing even more insane, getting right. inside David's head, right. and also even just the presentation of David is. Right. Skyscraper hairdo. And <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, it's like I, I keep trying to think of where he came from, yeah. Nick, and the only thing I could think of is that he was always there. And what I mean by that is I looked at, I, I found some uh, notebooks that we had to make daily journals in grammar school that we had to write for like uh, our homeroom class or whatever, just uh, or class. And I remember I started to make write stories and do illustrated comics in my in that book, and I would give them to the teacher, and the teacher would write back. So she was like incredibly supportive. And oh, I just great. I just did this character named named Seymour, and he had that he was blonde, but a blonde, but he had that that so that that's been in my DNA oh, that's like, awesome. since like fourth grade. And I don't know where it came from like, the idea of putting him in there, but I just. In picture, like all of these these badass, powerful mutants, and also keeping with the idea of of, of uh, puberty, it's like. And there was another part of me that was trying to deconstruct, you know, some of the heroics of everything. Because you know, after doing Batman and and studying Neil Adams and and learning anatomy, it's like all of this like you know, jutting jaw, you know, wasp voice women with like this hourglass shape, and like all of this sort of cliched heroics. It's like the idea of taking all these gangly teenage or subteens and then doing David Haller, you know, or, or Legion, it was like I wanted in a similar kind of vein but only but but not exact what to what I did with Ilyana. Like, you know, he was just sort of this sort of very not heroic looking guy. You know, it's like I tried to picture like what would somebody else do? I mean, if, you know, have him look like. And you can see in some of the other versions, it's like they've, they've made him much more buff and masculine and everything. <laughs> He's been working out. And I was like, not every character has to be like, like well developed or sure defined. Man. It's like, let, there are people that, you know, I mean, Especially if he's been locked away in any kind of like facility, unless he's chained to a wall doing isometric exercises. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
just like, you know, just to get developed. And that's one thing that always cracked me up about, the, about comics. You know, you see somebody chained to a cellar wall, you know, with be a long beard, and I'd be like, too super cut, you know? It's like, well, it's, it, just, it just doesn't happen. So I thought, let's just bring, like, as much as I'm deviating away from reality, I wanted to bring some aspects into of reality into it. So I was, you know, I wanted him to be equally sort of awkward and sort of gangly, but um, but also, is this the most potentially dangerous mutant of all? You know, this guy. You know, because the one thing they didn't do is it, it, I don't know if it shows up really well in the comics, but. Um, because he's uh, Xavier's son, it's like I think I was also kind of, you know, just give him a full head of hair and just like with, with a vengeance. <laughs> and then also, like, Xavier had the, um, the, um, the, eyebrows. the eyebrows. So what I decided to do was actually, um, like, you know, everybody, I think I gave him a mon- like a unibrow. Yeah. But I also, I also had them connect here as well. So they, like, there's this little island of skin, you know, that I just had them going right and right, you know. And uh, I was... <laughs> I was mixed about the fact that they didn't they didn't have Dan Stevens do that in the series, but uh, Dan Dan's such a sweet guy and just you know he's such an amazing actor. It's like you know he and he oh, just yeah. nailed it in the performance. You know it's just fantastic. How many of you have seen? Yeah, you have folks have seen Legion, obviously. Yeah. You know they said this last year about the Dare, the Deadpool movie, and they were 100 percent right. It's a game changer, and the same goes for the TV series. And just like again, what you were doing in uh, New Mutants and everything, and in terms of breaking out of the panel. And you're and I and I wanted to get some interiors and show that you know you were you were never afraid of you know using a double parade spread in a way that maybe wasn't well, there, in a very impressionistic way. Well, in some respects, yeah. I mean, when I when I started with Moon Knight, and you because know, Neil Adams was also known for sort of breaking the boundaries True. and stuff like that. But um, and Shooter was always uh, sort of you know Jim Shooter as editor in chief has sort of come under a lot of uh, heat, sort of uh, for his. Uh, uh, his stance on how he wanted, like his vision for comics. Sure. And I got, always got along, you know, Frank and I were talking about this, Frank Miller and I, we was like, we always got along great with Jim. It's like, okay. you know, and because he, he got as much heat as he did light and, uh, and credit. But um, he would, like, again, constantly give me crap about, you know, stuff sticking out of, out of panels and, and whatnot. But I sort of felt that the big break for me was when, in the very first issue, I had Professor X in his wheelchair sort of getting shot or blown across both pages of the double. And I felt like if I'm going to break that boundary, I want it to be for a specific reason. So, um, so that's why, you know, why I would do that. And also if it meant story-wise. So I really felt like it was all starting to kind of coalesce, that I wasn't just doing things going out of the panel just for, for art reasons. I was doing it because I felt like it was germane to the, to the story. I really, I literally felt very immersed in, you know, the the mutants world, and so to the extent when, um, like when I had them in that in the Badlands, the Demon Bears, the psychic realm, and I did that. There was a little map I had done of, you know, to show the terrain and how much of it was infested or infected with with the darkness, and I just remember feeling like I did when I was a kid. And when I would draw my own comics, because again, growing up on a farm and sort of, you know, around, you know, animals and guns and liquor and, you know, it's a good combination. All kinds of, you know, not not smart <laughs> uses of time. <laughs> um, it was for me. It was a way to escape, and I just kind of, you know, got into it. And I just remember feeling like 
that sense of I'm in that world. It was like really kind of going yes. into it, you know. Totally. And uh, and I think I think readers kind of sense that, and I feel like they joined. So that was actually really kind of fun. What about the direct of uh, the idea? And obviously, you know, Chris had a big part in this as well of having Magneto lead the team and everything. And you know, well, in, in a weird kind of way, that was fun. I, I had no problem with that. But it's it's uh, uh, I don't think I was really because Magneto was sort of from the X-Men. Yeah. You know, even with Professor X, I sort of felt like he was fun to do. But okay. any of the other X-Men's, I mean, Storm was also fun to bring into it. But I kind of just felt. I wanted to break away completely from any of the stuff I had read as a kid, or like okay. break away from any of the firmament of what characters were already established. And um, and I think I even gave Magneto the most the stupidest costume with an M on it. It was just it was like, I, and it wasn't like an, an intentional like level of trying to be disrespectful, but it was um, it was like no, I'm I'm all about the the, the new mutants. You know, the older you. mutants are sort of. They're, they've been done to death. It's like I don't I don't want to like I'm not making you know making a statement or, or staking any kind of claim to them. You know the, the mutants are mine. I'm like well, he was like Mel Cooley and Dick Van Dyke, where he was yeah. the stuffed shirt, right? And exactly. really kind of yeah, the, yeah. The, the the guy of like representing the old ways and the mutants going yeah, the hell with you old man. Right. We're gonna do our exactly. own thing. Exactly. But yeah. I, I remember seeing I think I told you this in our interview uh, an image of yours in Amazing Heroes of uh, Magneto as the teacher and. Uh, and, okay. You know, with, with with the students there, and again, it was in that letter bag of you know, I don't know who this guy is, but I certainly don't like his art. And I, you know, and he's he's ruining the mutants by by drawing them this way and everything. Yep. And again, it's so crazy. And I'm thankful. Would you ever think now, with the way social media is, what you might have to deal with in terms of like fan outrage and stuff like that? Because because again, it was pretty intense yeah, back then. It was because we only had a couple outlets like Amazing Heroes and Comics and there was, Journal. And there was also a time lag. I mean, now it's instantaneous. Right. Yes. Back then, it's you know, if I were to get heat on issue 18 of of the New Mutants, I'd be on work on issue 20 or 20. Uh, yeah, it would take two months. So Absolutely. It would be like almost. Oh, they told like, us this might happen. Don't worry, folks. Everything's fine. Almost the old, uh, you know, old news at that point, but. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, if that were to happen now, I mean, I, I guess it, nothing could be worse than like what happened to Ed Sheeran for being on Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's like, jeez, poor guy, you know? Uh, Hilarious. Yeah, it's like that's like, awesome. But um, but yeah, no, it it uh, it was. Well, did I, it I, hurt, man? I mean, you know, like how how no, was it? I, I, it, it? Or did it or did it fuel that no, same it, feeling it, of it, I'm going to show him? It fueled some of that, um, but it also fueled. Um, the sense of, well, at least, like, if you love it or hate it, you're paying attention to it, you know? Absolutely. If you don't, if, you, if there was no response, that to me is, is like, you know, apathy is, is, is the opposite of hate or love. It's, you know, it's a, it's a real huge part of it. I understand. Absolutely. I, I wanted to include other images, too, to obviously uh, both inspire questions from you folks. And by the way, if you do have questions, you can start lining up. Because uh, we're here for you as much. I get built to myself on my podcast all the time. This is your chance to, to ask some great questions. So, uh, and in fact, I'm happy to, to start with that. Please, yep. sir. So I have a couple of comments and questions. Yep. So first, I think you're going to start with the definitive. Oh, thank you.
Right. Was that the one that came in the plastic bag? Oh, it now, great. okay, was that issue in the, in the the middle one, the one that was hidden between, yes. like you couldn't yeah, tell? That was yeah. That I was I got used to that. It's like, <laughs> it's like look, they're making them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled. Okay. Well, it's all, I used to get those packs too, and I always felt like the one in the middle was the one that, like, they, they, that, like people were just freaked out about it for some reason. They just felt like might not sell. Son of Satan! I remember being know, a middle book like that yeah, as or, well. Or yeah. that was they were not appropriate for younger readers <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Man, I gotta say the. Uh, Took a, a really good book, a mainstream book, and made it like the most exciting. Oh, that's awesome! Thank you so much. My question is, uh, when I remember uh, the art, looking at it, uh, did you just do pencils? Were you doing paint? Uh, were you doing, were you doing colors? Well, I did. I did all the penciling and inking. Uh, you know, at a certain point after several issues of Moon Knight, somewhere in the middle of the run, um, I decided. Uh, I didn't want anybody inking my work because I, I had mixed results, you know, with different inkers. You know, I had amazing results with you know Joe Rubenstein and and uh, Tom Palmer and you know, uh, and then the, you know there were others that were not quite as successful or I felt like they weren't getting exactly what I wanted to to convey. So I decided, especially since I was trying to do, get away from the Adam stuff, I just wanted to dive into all of it, painting, you know. Uh, lettering, coloring, you know, inking, and even one of the editors said, you know, look, let him ink his own stuff. He has as much right to screw up his work as anybody else. <laughs> you know, so that I took that to heart. You know, and I've been screwing it up ever since. You know, so thank you. Hi there. Hey, how are you? Good. All right, thanks. Talked about Sam earlier with talking and stuff. I thought. That the way you do them so perfectly, just care through so and sure of himself, powers never work the way he thought they would. So I was wondering if you could speak a little more how the, the personalities of, of the individual characters have affected the way you do them. Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, I always, I, I, um, I think, I think, I think it, I was in my early twenties when I was doing it, so it's like I think I could kind of remember some of the awkwardness, but also in a weird kind of a way, and it just, it just hit me now, is that. I was kind of going through an artistic puberty at the time when I was doing the mutant. So in a way, it was, you know, because I'd been doing the Neil Adams thing. So the idea that I was sort of finding my own way, it it kind of, you know, damn, that's good. That just came to me. It's like, <laughs> no, the idea that it actually, it felt like I was finding my way and, and sort of, you know, going, oh, I'm a mutant and look what's happening. It's like, you know, um, with the work. So all of the characters sort of, I developed a, a very, you know, soft spot and kind of a, you know, pl a warm place for each of them. I did feel like Sam, like I, I had, I actually had a lot of affection for all of them. And, and at a certain point, it was like with, with uh, Moon Knight, um, you know, it, it felt like I was doing a group book, even though it was one guy. I mean, you're, you're dealing with all the, the extra characters. But I never, even like, I, I started to feel like I was nailing down Moon Knight at the end, you know, in terms of what I felt like I wanted the, the series to be. Um, if I think if I'd stayed with it, it might have pushed it even further. But by that point, I had done it for so many, you know, for three years, and I sort of felt like that was 
never quite mine, you know, because it was a character from, like, Don Perlin, you know, had created it. And even though, like, in, with the New Mutants, I felt like it was a couple of issues into it, and I can kind of, you know, not intentionally try to go in and crap all over what had been done before, but it was just, you know, inevitable that I was, I, I needed to start pushing into some of that direction. So, um, like, I thought that Rainy, you know, with, um, you know, with her sort of, polite, you know, demeanor and sort of the, the very religious aspect to her, sort of, uh, you know, Scottish and, and also, and then turning into this werewolf. It was just like that these were all kids that you kind of wanted to be, be a parent to and take care of at the same time, you know, I also wanted to show that they were vulnerable, but, and, but yet also badasses and sort of growing. So um, uh, that awkwardness was something I, I certainly related to growing up. So I I don't know if that was intentionally like me trying to do it. It just, I never really gave it a whole hell of a lot of thought. It just felt like they just spoke to me that way. I know that sounds kind of, you know, cosmic or whatever, but it, it, it was just, this is the way I see them, you know. So, um, uh, and that includes, includes Warlock, you know, when he came in. Because to me, he was, he was as much of a mutant and a new mutant and a young mutant, you know, finding his way as any of, as any of them. So, in a way, kind of, he was like kind of a perfect addition to the team. I like that human Rorschach kind of uh, description that you give him because he, he, I like the fact that he really does stand out from everybody else because he is so alien and coming from the technology planet as he did and everything. Right. And, but also having that fluidity, like, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they, you know, in the films, uh, you know. Yeah, CGI. Like, well, well, yeah, I mean, in a weird kind of a way, it's like, you know, the fact that. that the technology exists to sort of create him, you know. Yeah, totally. At the time, you know, it's uh, like when I worked on when he showed some images of Dune, like yes. working on the Dune the movie adaptation. You know, movie adaptations tend to be a thankless job. I worked on Dune partly because I was a big fan of Frank Herbert's, you know, story, but also um, uh, I was a big fan of David Lynch, and I said I just want to be a part of this, you know. And uh, I think, you know, I think Sting was also going to be in it or something. Because at the time, yeah, Police yeah. Was, was really big. And, yeah. you know, so it was just like this. I, I really kind of want to throw my hat into the ring and do this. But they, they tend to be completely thankless, thankless jobs. But working with, um, like, Universal on that, I had given the actor Kenneth McMillan, you know, a lot more pustules on his face. Had, <laughs> and, and they said, we have to make it look like the actor. And... So my point with like trying to show with comics and working on you know adaptations of any kind, it's like doing the adaptation of the movie Dune and not be able to take advantage of what things that comics do. It's like like doing an adaptation of the soup of the Superman movie and having to draw the wires that hold the actor up. You know, it's like no, you don't understand. It's like I mean now with with CGI you can do you know sandworms and you know like no no problem, but all practical effects, you know. So sure. if I wanted to show the Fremen, you know, fighting against the Harkonnen, you know, it's like I could do as many characters as I wanted, you know. But it was, it was just like, has to look like the film, has to look like the film, has to look like the film. And I just felt that, you know, comics, comics can do so much more of that. And I kind of felt like that was sort of what I was feeling with, with some of the New Mutants as well. Lots of hidden gems in those movie adaptations and stuff. So, yeah. I, I honestly, if you like, dig around in the in the boxes and stuff. Those things are always like it's neat to find out which artists worked on them and stuff. And yeah, they bring their own style to them and stuff. Yeah. So, thank, thank you, so you. thank you, absolutely. 
you mentioned studying animation in the early days of the so then you later worked on a cartoon, did you not, G.I. Joe Extreme? Say again? You did work on the G.I. Joe Extreme cartoon. Yeah, I worked on that, and I also designed uh, um, the look of... Uh, uh, no, Carmen Sandiego. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that's yeah. right, Carmen Sandiego. Yes, yes. So with the hat. Did you work on your compared to the constraints Well, I, I enjoyed working in, in animation. I mean, it's, it's like the idea of uh, coming up with... with Looks, you know, were there were it was a lot of fun, you know. But I also felt um, uh, it was a little disconcerting to me, only because I knew that I, like I would come up with something and it would be handed off to somebody else. And I sort of felt I enjoyed that immensely, and I had I have so much respect for the animators and for you know everybody who was involved in that. But I also felt that um, I was I was really kind of loving the idea of taking everything that animation was teaching me or like that I was that was inspiring me and kind of funneling it and, and finding finding a way to shoehorn it whether it was going to fit or not you know into comics it was like I, I love that I love that I'm going to try I'm going to make it there's some place that's going to make it work in here you know and after coming from all this sort of super hyper realism of Neil Adams stuff to kind of just go hey cartoons you know comics it's like you know, it like a, uh, it's it was it's not rocket surgery, you know. So it's um, it was like just go into it, you know, just have fun. So that that's really kind of mostly what I got from animation was, uh, um, in some respects, even more so than comics, because animation, you know, you can you can go as simple as you want, or as bold and as realistic as you want, and it all because it's somehow in that in that world of of uh, exaggeration, it's. Uh, um, it's much more truthful in some respects because of the exaggeration, you know. Um, and uh, uh, you know, again, I felt like th that the idea of comics being, you know, like just like a Gil Kane comic or just like a, a you know a John Buscema comic. I thought, well, what 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 if they were all like from all different sources into into the medium? You know, why not pull some more animation? Why not pull some fashion illustration or some exaggeration? You know, out of it because with comics to me were as much like animation or like theater more so than they were film. So, thank you. Hi. Hi. I was wondering what is the uh, weirdest like compliment criticism you received on your work? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I not so much anymore, but I used to get people asking me what drugs I do. <laughs> And the thing is, is it's funny because I've never, I've never, you know, I mean, I, I used to drink and I smoke cigarettes and stuff, and I've done my share of, of substances, but I never, like, I never did cocaine, you know, I never, I, because I figured I'd like it, and I thought that I'd rather not find out. So everybody assumed that I was like high on like all kinds, and to me it was like the 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 art was the drug. Everything else, if I had done anything, I would keep, it would have gotten in the way of that high of like create of creativity. It's like when I was in that zone, I didn't want to be all like messed up and like you know, you know, because I I do remember. Um, no, I'm, never mind. I'm not going to even. I'm not, I, I, I better not. This is close. Yeah. Yeah. This close. No. So, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I've gotten, I, you know, none, none, that was the only thing that really sort of struck me, in, but I, I've gotten some interesting sort of um, 
you know, comments, mostly, you know, like they still let you, you know, they let you they get away with this kind of stuff, you know. But uh, I can't think of any like off offhand except for that one. I wish I, you know, I'll leave here and then then I'll I'll remember when I get back to the table. You know, oh yeah, that you know. Yeah, come to the table. Yeah. Twenty or fourteen. Seventeen fourteen. Seventeen fourteen. There you go. Something like. Or fourteen seventeen. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, building on that, when you're in the artistic zone, because athletes obviously get in the zone and they can't miss and stuff like that. You know, how conscious of? I mean, does the art take over and you're just kind of facilitating? I mean, you know, yeah, there are times like, like you know, it's like you fall into that cliche of of, uh, of channeling it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I do. Uh, just one thing. I just what did come to me. One one thing I used to hear a lot was um, when I, when people would meet me, they go, "I I thought you were older. I thought you'd be older." Interesting. Yeah, and now it's like now nobody says it anymore. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> But uh, but I, I mean I started when I was twenty, so you know yeah. I'm twenty seven now, so yeah. so at some point, like I said, it, it had to stop. Hilarious. Yeah, so, sir, uh, thank you for hey. putting the questions to rest. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, it's I, I I if anybody knows me or follows me at all, it's like I tend to own my own. It's like if I screw up, I'll you know. I'll own it. I'll say, you know, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And if I had done things like that, I, I mean, I like when I drink, one of the reasons I, 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 I will enjoy a scotch. I'm a single malt guy. I will drink, I'll enjoy one on occasion, but I don't drink. Because when I was, I used to drink heavily years ago. And uh, again, growing up on a farm, it was like, you know, and I, I love beer. I haven't had a beer in like 30 some years. Not because I, you know, I, I have anything against it, but I broke my drawing hand when I was drunk. Uh, when I was drunk. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, and it, yeah, I, immediately after I, I realized that like this is my whole career, you know, it's like I was everything I'd sort of put my life toward toward building. So I ended up giving up uh, booze, cigarettes, sugar, caffeine, my marriage. <laughs> I wonder if that had any contribution factor to it. But uh, um, and. Um, yeah, so that, you know, so I freely admit to that, you know, so the idea of actually having some, anything else in the mix to sort of like, you know, hey, how else can I mess up my life, you know, it's like, uh, but, so, yeah, I'll, I'll own it, so that, I hope that does put the, you know, I mean, I heard some really good stories, you know, it's like, it sounded like my reputation was having a hell of a lot more fun than I was. <laughs> Do you have another question? Uh, yeah, so my question was, um, you had mentioned that Chris Claremont had said, hey, I want you to do a three-issue arc on this book. What was it about that three-issue arc that made you go, oh, I want to stick with this and stay with these characters? Well, the short answer is everything. It just felt like fun. I mean, it was like Chris was giving me really brief plots. Like, I've been, like, Doug and I had, had you know, when, when I came on board, I think they went to Doug and said, make your scripts idiot-proof, you know, for all the good it did them. But, um, but it was like, I, I just felt like I was getting, uh, you know, I, I loved what Doug was writing, but I felt a little more directed than I wanted to feel. I wanted to be, feel like more of a collaborator and not just sort of set of hands. So I kind of felt like I was pushing against constraints. And so pushing against the constraints of the Adams, you know, moniker, and then against the strict constraints of sort of being the artist for working over on a script, I wanted to work much more 
fluidly and more in the classic what was called the Marvel style. Um, and I don't even know if we, Chris and I technically did that or not, but I know that uh, when I got like his plot and it was like, you know, one type written page per page, you know, without, without any real dialogue, it was just this is what, you know, what I see for this page. And I just felt, wow, I can, I can make one panel, you know, like, like really big, and I can adjust it and, and have every other panel sort of feed off that. I felt like there was room for it to breathe. So it was just such a, uh, a refreshing change from, uh, from, uh, you know, from what I'd been used to. And again, I'm not, this is not a negative against, uh, against Doug. It's more what I was needing in terms of what I, I wanted to do was a chance to just explode and, and, and have fun. So Chris could have um, you know, done similar, a similar thing and I probably would have pushed against it anyway because I was sort of getting in that place of, of I need to rebel, I need you know, uh, you know, freedom. And, and I can't say enough about the editors as well. I mean, Anne Macenti, who was the editor on The New Mutants, she... she she was like another contributor to that book, and she made it. She made it happen. She was the one who fought all the battles with Shooter, you know, and uh, sort of to just let Chris and I, you know, squeak by, you know, cool. like misdirection. Like, oh, look over there, Jim. You know. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi. How are you doing? Um, so this is in response to the mentions you made of negative criticism at the time. Um, I, I was in fifth grade at the time and had no exposure to comic books at all. And literally the first ones I ever bought, somebody told me, oh, you should check out some sort of comic books. You like them. It was New Mutants 17 and 18, that sort of one. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I, I guess I'll just get this series because my friends are all doing this kind of thing. Right. I don't know so the next thing that comes into my hands the next month is, is the Dini Bear issue. And so it blew my mind. <laughs> um, but for me, that's just a big thing because right when I was first being exposed, it showed me that there didn't have to be rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was a great influence like right to have right at the start. Um, so I'm wondering, were there equal amounts of, of positive criticism you were getting at the time? Oh, yeah. What was the balance? Yeah, no, there, there was. The, the attention started to, like, become very positive. The book started selling and getting a lot, a lot of... It sort of became into its own. And like what you just said about rules, like no rules. Like, in coming into comics, and comics have always, certainly when I was growing up, they were always sort of the, like the bastard stepchild of a bastard stepchild. You know, I mean, you know, I mean... You know, Ramsey Snow. You know, Ramsey Snow probably had like better luck than than most people who did comics. I keep making Game of Thrones in that reference. That's awesome. But uh, um, but the uh, uh, for me, you know, I love the idea of, of pushing against rules. And comics were there were just so many like arcane, idiotic, nonsensical prohibitions. Um, and I loved the medium, and I always felt it was an art form worthy of, of you know, great uh, capability in terms of telling stories, like not just of superhero types, but of, of any kind of a story. It was an art form for me for that. And so that level of respect that I held it in, it was sort of like, in the way I felt about it, I thought, well, hopefully someday it's like other, like what I do 
you know, maybe other people will will feel the way I feel about it, about the medium. You know, it's like that it, it it's worthy of respect. So it's sort of it's that old thing of like acting as if something, you know, owning it and be and behaving a certain way. So that to me was like there were no rules that you know the medium is capable of so much more than uh, you know what you know what people were were used to. But at the same time, we got a lot of a lot of I did get a lot of positive. You know, and that was that was a really great validation because certainly for me, after I started changing my style towards like embracing all the different things that I loved, to have actually people responding positively, that was that was great. And it was even even better later on when um, the upper echelon of, of, of Marvel came to uh, to Shooter and then to me, and they called me up into their offices and they said, <clears throat> "Can you?" Uh, you know, we really thank you for making the book a hit. And um, can you? We, we all we want the New Mutants to look kind of like like all the X books to look kind of a, like they're in a similar world. So can you make your stuff look more like the X Men? So I actually I remember I actually said so you you you're telling me you want me to stop doing what made the book successful and go back to doing what kind of made it invisible for all intents and purposes according to you and like they were literally like uh yeah i guess wow. you know but uh by that point I, I had developed a pretty good spidey sense about when to leave a book it was like when they started to say ah, wait i was like uh, okay don't worry i'm out of here you know just just clean just tidying up see ya you know? so i got you know i got to know when, when it was it was time to say adios so Thank you. Right. I okay, think this is the last question. Yep. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to say that um, the, your run on New was hugely inspirational to me to get into the comics. And wow. Teddy Bear Song was the first comic book I ever bought when I was 10. And it gave me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. What inspired you behind the design of the Demon Bear? Because it's the, the cover of the Demon Bear and then no, I mean just from it just well I realized if there's any one connection or thing that I, I've sort of come to figure out about my style if there is such a thing is that I've always, I always wanted to draw and paint well enough to be representational to make something look like like if I do a likeness of, of somebody like like Adam West or something, you know, like or I wanted to make it sure it looks like that person. But I was I've become more aware over the years that <clears throat> sort of innately or inherently part of my my drive or what I want to do is I want to I want something to feel a certain way. So if I can do a, a likeness of somebody, I, I don't want to just do a, like a, an accurate portrait. I want to do a, a piece that's maybe done in the style or in a, in a kind of a uh, with a medium that evokes that person. So for me, the demon bear, it's like I could have, you know, gone and, and gotten reference for a bear, you know, but I just thought uh, this big black shape that's just all claws and like, and just intensity, you know. <clears throat> and um, so to me, it was, it was, you know, just the id, you know, the like sort of running rampant, you know. So it was more how things felt. And that to me is, I think, what you know, what was part of what I tried to bring to the New Mutants. So, like, the idea that when she, even if she was under the covers and protected, 
you know, somewhere down on that checkerboard pattern, it's like she's not, that's, she's under the covers. It's not going to do any good. Still going to get her, you know. So that's kind of what. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. As we, as we wrap up, Bill and I had a very great 90-minute interview on uh, my podcast, Word Balloon. It's at wordballoon.com. It's the current episode. You can download it. And, yeah, please uh, check it out. And please do, because yeah. really, I mean, we got into a lot of other stuff. But this is an amazingly intense and great New Mutants conversation. Thank, thank you. you for thank your you participation. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And thank you very much for coming. There you go, Bill Sienkiewicz at his best, talking about the New Mutants live from San Diego Comic-Con. Thanks very much for listening. I promise the voice will be better uh, on the next few episodes. And uh, we'll get to Victor Santos and also some other great conversations as well to close out July. Uh, and I know I keep saying that. I feel like uh, Johnny Carson. Uh, 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 the comedian couldn't come on, but he'll be on, he'll be on next. We'll reschedule, I promise. No, that Victor Santos uh, interview is coming up. I just felt like, you know, we should bookend the two Sienkiewicz conversations. Get that out to you as soon as possible because everyone's still buzzing about the wonderful time that we all had at San Diego Comic-Con. I hope uh, you can come to Comic-Con sometime. You know, all the, all the you know wonderful conventions we have over uh, North America are incredible. San Diego really does still stand out uh, because of the kind of programming and experiences you can only have at Comic-Con. So uh, thanks a lot for listening to today's episode, brought to you again by alexrossart.com. We got great videos coming up, wonderful interviews that I got to do um, revolving around Alex Ross product, but also just some uh, really great uh, creators that Alex has had the chance to collaborate over the years. I mentioned Mark Wade, Dan Jurgens, another great conversation that we had. Uh, Lots of fun and really neat videos on the way. Check them out at Alex's YouTube channel. And if you just do a search for Alex Ross Art and under his name, Alex Ross, uh, that channel is going to pop up. And uh, you can see me talking to the Mattel people about Hot Wheels. Pretty cool stuff, man. Um, And, uh, you know, check out the cars because they're gorgeous. Uh, Just the tip of the iceberg of some of the great uh, new product at alexrossart.com. We're Balloon also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Wonderful deals, wonderful books. You know the drill. If you uh, order $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping. And uh, if you happen to go to San Diego Comic-Con, got excited about some of the product you heard about and stuff, you can find great books at great prices at InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening. I'm going to go soothe my voice, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again with uh, better pipes, I promise. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.